Today is Friday, October 7th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. President Biden's Department of Justice has just indicted 11 more pro-lifers. We'll have the details on that story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing you news from a Christian perspective. Let's get through that news of the day together. Joining me as always to get through it, Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. Happy Friday, guys. What's going on? I can't believe it's Friday already. Yeah. Right. We're already at the end of the week, but it's been a good week. Just busy. It has. It has not, hasn't been a good week for pro-lifers, though. You look at what's That's going true. on with the DOJ and what seems to be a pattern here, and we're going to dive into that in just a few minutes. Also on the main thing coming up, John Cooper, lead singer of Skillet. He's concerned about what he's seeing in regards to the hypersexualization of America's kids and talked about how should Christians be responding in a conversation that we are going to have here on the main thing coming up in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to start with the news in 90 seconds. America's national debt has just hit its highest level ever. And not only is it a mind-boggling figure, but it's also continuing to rise at an alarming pace. The Treasury Department released a new report showing it's past $31 trillion. A lot of that came during government spending in the pandemic. And so the debt has actually climbed nearly $8 trillion since the pandemic started, $1 trillion coming in just the last eight months alone. So how much is a baseball worth? Well, if you caught Aaron Judge's 60-second home run ball, it's a bit more than the typical rate. One person has already offered to pay the fan who caught it, Corey Yeomans, $2 million for that ball. J.P. Cohen, he's president of Memory Lane Auctions in California. He said he's trying to get in touch with that fan who caught the ball. Probably a good idea for him to get back if he's got $2 million on the table. A federal appeals court ruled this week that Obama's DACA program is unlawful. The ruling didn't completely dismantle it, but it can't grow anymore either. And current DACA individuals will continue to get those benefits. And though the storm has passed, the recovery work is just beginning. You can go over to CBNNews.com and check out how Operation Blessing is on the ground in Florida and the people they're helping out. Cameras are there to catch some of this firsthand. It's it's incredible stuff. So go over to CBNNews.com and check that out now. So, guys, this uh, this seems to be a growing pattern with what we saw with DACA, where among Democrats, where they propose these programs, they know that they're probably going to face legal challenges. Just a few examples, vaccine mandates, student loan debt forgiveness, the eviction moratorium in the wake of the pandemic, and DACA previously. They, they know these things are going to face legal challenge. Often they say this in public, but they go forward with it anyway. And time after time again, we see these things get, get removed. Do you guys think this is like a political strategy? A hundred percent. I mean, you're hoping and waiting because all the judges are political too, right? Yeah. You know, if a judge is being chosen by a Republican or a Democrat, your hope is no matter what that you just sort of, it's a coin toss. Hopefully they're going to allow it to happen. They're going to allow it to pass. So I think it's absolutely a political move. Hmm. Yeah. Like, I think there's some of that is you want to, you know, drum up excitement from your constituents. So then you can put that 
that pressure on judges who unfortunately, like you just said, Billy, have become politicized. I think the other thing, too, is uh, people are so interested in this like strong man type government. I know both parties say how awful it is when the other side does it. Uh, but then what what happens is you get somebody in power and they want to do some sort of big, huge giveaway or, or you know, want to uh, eliminate, eliminate your problem with just one you know pen stroke. And I think that's kind of you know what we're seeing, unfortunately, is is politicians just uh, angling all of their decisions toward election day. Yeah, and and it's really a win-win situation if you think about it from a political strategy. It's quite shrewd because if it does get overturned, you can kind of use that as exactly what you're seeing them do it now. Well, right. the eviction moratorium, it's unconstitutional. We're going to push it anyway. Oh, it got overturned. And then they can blame conservative justices for that or say it's the Republicans who want to take away and kick people out of their houses and so you see that political posturing with these issues. And uh, it's just it's just interesting to look at it in that light and see that a lot of this stuff that is going on is just can be summed up with political games. Well, and, and just hoping that you can win it, hoping that you can get that policy and you can slip it in no matter how. And that's and that's what they do. And and sometimes it works. Yeah. 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 Well, they can just say, well, we didn't get it this time because yeah. it was struck down, whatever. Right. But you've got to reelect me or you've got to keep this right. party in power they so get that the we credit. can get it done yes. next time. Yeah, they get the credit for being on record as trying to push for something. So it's, right. hey, we tried. We tried. It got shot down. What are you going to do? So, yeah, it's a, it's a win-win politically, which, which makes it all the more interesting. Um, speaking of pushing legal bounds, our next story is one I really just I really want to discuss, guys, because... The Justice Department this week on Wednesday indicted 11 more pro-life activists who investigators are saying they blocked a Tennessee abortion clinic during a protest. Now they claim that they've violated the FACE Act. Same thing that Mark Hawk was charged with, violating the FACE Act, which says you can't block people from entering, you know, a healthcare facility. So these activists, according to this indictment, they organized an event. It was a civil disobedience type situation at an abortion clinic where they were trying to, you know, just do like a blockade in front of the doors. And they say at least one employee of the clinic and one would-be patient um, had trouble getting into the building. And so now because of that civil disobedience protest, they're charged with conspiracy and FACE Act violations and face up to 11 years in prison and a fine of $250,000. So I want to open the floor, guys, because coming on the heels of the Mark Hawk story, which we've covered widely on this podcast and on CBN and on Faithwire, it seems like, and apparently the FBI raided at least one of the homes of those 11 uh, people who were uh, you know, indicted by the federal government there, it seems like ahead of an election, the government is looking for anything that could qualify as a FACE Act violation and trying to make an example of them. Well, you would think that after countless people have gone up to churches and pro-life clinics and either torched them or thrown paint on them or scribbled threatening messages that people won't be safe, that those people might be at the top of the list of those you might want yeah, to detain. But the resources right? towards, yeah. <laughs> Right. So you look at that and you wonder, okay, what's going on there? And you have to pair that with the fact that we are coming off of the heels of one of the most controversial Supreme Court. You know, the Dobbs decision is huge um, decisions that we've ever really seen. And this is happening now. Why was this not happening before? And so those two things, I think, with the political nature of an election should actually give us a little bit of fear about what is actually going on here. 
Yeah, no, I think that's 100% right. And also, too, this is coming right after the Hawk situation. So yeah. you can't help. And we're what, you know, weeks away now? I can't believe we're saying that, but we're weeks away from the mm. midterm elections. This has been the issue that I think kind of swung maybe some of the polling back towards Democrats. Uh, when the road decision came, Democrats got a bit of a boost from it. And I think they're they're seeing the benefit that they reaped maybe from uh, that Roe decision. Obviously, we shouldn't base these decisions on politics but that's just the nature of the world that we live in is politics plays a role. Uh, so it seems like they're, you know, let's, let's continue to ride those coattails. Our polling seems to be going back down because of the economy. So let's do this hawk raid and let's, let's also charge these pro-life protesters so that we can get abortion back in the headlines because that's a winning issue for us. Right. And it seems like the odds of this just being, well, it was, it just happens to be the timing, right? The, the hawk situation, it was, you know, going through the courts and then the feds picked it up and then it came to this. And then this one also happened a little while ago in Tennessee and then it went through the courts and now it's come to this. The odds of that all happening and then in the midst of all of those court cases kind of plodding along in the system, the row is overturned and then we have an election coming up in which it certainly appears, judged by all the advertising we're seeing, that most of the ads from Democrats feature the abortion issue. And they have obviously decided in some of their internal polling that this is the way to go. And this is the article to put uh, front and center. Anecdotally, that, that's what I've seen in Pennsylvania. Anytime I'm watching TV, all any political ad from a Democrat has abortion at, at the forefront. And they try to yeah. focus on a right being taken away. So the, anyway, the odds of all of that coming together... And then all of a sudden, these pro-lifers, for very minor infractions, even if they were guilty of something, it just seems like misdemeanors at best or a fine or something, and not these incredible shows of force from the FBI and facing these massive sentences and fines. Well, yeah. I mean, you can have the debate about whether or not people should be blocking a clinic entrance, but I would argue at the end of the day that if you have been torching a building, again, or yeah. throwing paint on it or threatening people, those people should be at the top of the list. And the fact that there have apparently been no arrests None. and they're going after people for these other things, I just can't make sense of that. And it's actually a little bit disturbing because we've also heard from at least one clinic that I had spoke with, pro-life clinic, that they weren't really getting a lot of help from the government at all and nobody had reached out to them even. Yeah. And and then when you look at, and specifically in the Hawk case, which we have more details on than we do on this other case in Tennessee, but the attorneys for Mark Hawk sent the DOJ a letter where they very explicitly said we don't think you have a case, but you know what? If you decide to pursue it, we will bring our client in peacefully to save everyone the hassle. And they ignored that and did the massive show of force anyway. They're going to get somebody killed with one of these raids. If they keep doing this, it's incredibly dangerous and it's incredibly reckless. And you're right. It's a head scratcher. The only way you can make sense of this from the evidence we've seen on the ground is that this is politics. Well, the the wild thing to me here is that the media is completely in the bag with with the yeah. FBI on this issue because had this, I mean, let's just picture it. This is 2020. Uh, Trump is still president. 
uh, you know, BLM protesters, looters, whatever. Obviously, there were good protesters, but then there's obviously a ton of people who are acting out badly. We covered all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's just imagine an FBI raid going into somebody, a looter who acted out badly uh, under the Trump administration. Just, I mean, oh. the, the coverage alone would have been uh, oh, insane. Fascism. The, the authoritarian, authoritarian yes. how fascist, all of that kind of stuff. And then at the time, we had CNN's Chris Cuomo, not there anymore, but uh, <laughs> he was at CNN talking about how you know protests don't need to be polite and peaceful so essentially kind of tipping his hat to you know some of this violence as long as nobody's killed right. some of this violence destroying a business whatever is fine uh, but then when the shoe's on the other foot uh you know with this right. situation all of a sudden it's just yeah they need to be you know prosecuted can't believe that they're on private property which you should never be invading somebody's private property i get right. it give them a fine whatever but this absolutely biased media coverage will drive you crazy yes a hundred percent a hundred percent well we'll keep an eye on it and we're going to keep reporting on it uh check back for at cbnnews.com and um, faithwire.com for more details on that because it's a very disturbing trend that we're seeing um emerge right now so all right that leads us into our main thing for today john cooper the lead singer of skillet stopped by and talked to myself and billy about what he's seeing in regards to this hypersexualization, the transgender movement turning into drag queens twerking in front of kids in very disturbing scenes that we've seen play out how do christians respond to all this well he had some thoughts on that and he shared them and that's today's main thing Billy and I had the chance to speak with John Cooper, the lead singer of Christian rock band Skillet. We talked about a lot of things, including the hypersexualizing of our kids that we're seeing lately. And we asked him what he thought about it, what he sees happening, and he explained some of the history that he believes is driving this movement. At its heart is a, a war of truth, a war of reality. What's that going to look like? And I think a lot of times Christians... We are nervous to say anything about this because we think it might come off as as hate. You know, it might come off as me just hating people and not liking people or not loving people. But the, but the truth is the actually the opposite. And it is finally coming to the fore now that there, there is an assault against our children. And even, even the world is recognizing now, even popular atheists like Bill Maher, you know, uh, or even Joe Rogan, he's the biggest you know, the biggest uh, podcaster in the in, in, in the nation are beginning to recognize, hey, there is an assault against our kids. We cannot be silent. We need to do something about this. I have a little bit of source material here. I would love to read to you, if I may, really quick, because it's a really important issue you, you just mentioned. We can find a crazy person to say something about anything, right? On the right side, on the left side, in the middle. There's always crazy people. We have no shortage of crazy <laughs> folks in America in the 2020s. The, but the, the truth is, is this isn't just a few crazy people. This actually is what the ideology teaches. It has, it has what we would call it in air quotes, scientific roots. It was called science. It's not actually science, but it was scientific roots. It was philosophical roots. It was intellectual roots. So I'm going to read to you guys, if I may, from Wilhelm Reich's The Sexual Revolution. This is written, you guys, in 1938 or 39, I believe. Right here, this is, I'm going to read from the introduction, the preface to the fourth edition, 1949. 1949. He's writing about why basically this Marxist revolution didn't work and what they need to do about it. Listen to what he has to say about this. Um, 
1928, when I founded the Socialist Society for Sexual Consultation and Sexual Research in Vienna, the genital rights of children and adolescents were denied. Did you hear that? The mm -hmm. genital rights of children and adolescents were denied. The existence of strict moral principles has invariably signified that the biological and specifically the sexual needs of man were not being satisfied. Every moral regulation is it itself sex negating and all compulsory morality is life negating. What he's basically saying is this, something that is life affirming is also sex affirming. And what sex affirming means in his mind is absolutely no restrictions on sexuality, not for children, not for adults and children, not for adolescents, not for infants. This is the intellectual and pseudo-scientific, they call it scientific, basis for what we are actually seeing happen now. So that's a little of the foundational history behind what we're seeing. But we also asked why now, why so suddenly, just a few years ago, most people wouldn't agree with the things that we're seeing today. So what has changed in recent years that has caused people to be more accepting of this? I really firmly believe that it is all rooted in a, in a worldview shift. And I know that Christians, we Christians say worldview all the time, and probably some listeners are like, oh, here we go, that worldview again. But here's the truth. If you do not base your life in a worldview of reality, that, 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 that we, me and you are actually talking, this is real, <laughs> this is not a figment of your, your imagination, this is not about the way you are perceiving me talking, there is an objective world that God created, there are laws to that. If you deny that, and which is what postmodernism does. I believe this is all rooted in postmodernism. If you deny that reality, and then you put in a new reality that says that everything in life is nothing more than a construct. Language is a construct. Gender is a construct. Race is a construct. Everything is nothing more than power. It's about the way that you perceive it through the social group that you are a part of. If that's what you do, then you are going to, to come into a time of, of I mean, how can you possibly live in a world like that when no one can agree on what reality actually is? So what I think has happened, even in the church, is that we have sort of soft peddled these postmodern ideas. And it's, it's been I mean, it's been in academia now for what, 60, 70 years. And so because of that, more and more people are going to college. They get they get um, indoctrinated into this way of thinking. And the next thing you know, it's even in our churches. And we hear it in churches every single week. We just don't recognize it. That's when you hear things like people say, hey, it's really important that we hear other, other uh, what do they call it, other perspectives of, from lived experience from other kinds of people. That all is rooted in a postmodern worldview. It doesn't mean that, that we don't want to hear other perspectives of people because we love them and they're our friends and it can bring something to us. But if what you're saying is, is that a certain type of person has an access to a truth that a certain kind of other person doesn't because of his gender, sex, the color of his skin, or what have you, that is rooted in a postmodern belief. And so it's very important that the church rejects this and comes back to a belief in the absolute truth of the word of God that never changes. We also asked John how he thinks Christians should be responding to all this in light of the threats from big tech and elsewhere. The American mm -hmm. Medical Association is asking big tech and the Department of Justice to censor, deplatform, investigate, and prosecute journalists 
who questioned the orthodoxy of radical gender surgeries for minors, arguing that public criticism is disinformation. I mean, what you have to ask yourself is for all the people who say that Christianity is authoritarian in nature, what do you think we're seeing right now with this? You are not allowed to question it at all, which we've been seeing a lot of in the last few years. This should make every Christian nervous on a lot of different on a lot of different levels on number one just the tyranny of the power of the state in conjunction with big tech with or with big pharma as we've seen we could go down that discussion for a long time to to, but it should be christians who understand the authoritarian nature of the state because we have a bible that has talked about that for a long time in the bible that kind of tyranny is referred to as a beast we see that all in the old testament we see that in the new testament and so that is a warning all through scripture it should be christians who have eyes to see what is happening in in that so i think that that's one of the things we we have to ask which leads to another thing if the government or the american medical association or big tech or big government in league with these people if they can censor you for disinformation about something like this which isn't truly disinformation they certainly can censor you for sharing the gospel we're only a step away from that. We're not actually that far from that. Now you're talking about infringement of civil liberties. And, and basically, we are on a slope that will actually eventually lead to the silencing of the church. Of course, we're not afraid of that if that's what happens. If that's what happens, God is in control and God will do what he wants to and he will save who he is going to save through us proclaiming the gospel, even if there's a consequence. But it doesn't mean that we should be in a big fat hurry to make sure that we see a bunch of persecution. Uh, You know, if it happens, it happens. But I don't think we want it. And the last thing I'll say about it is this. I think a lot of Christians sometimes the the pushback that I get from Christians who are really good hearted people. I hope they're watching. I hope I can convince them. The pushback that I get is, is they say, John, you're being you're being too forceful. You're trying to push your views onto society and it's authoritarian and it makes it feel like we're trying to force people to obey Christianity or something like that. This is what I would say to them is, no, 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 no. Uh, Obeying God is good for everybody. Christianity is good for everybody because Christianity in America upholds individual liberties. We are not trying to censor people on Twitter who go out and tweet, I hate God. I think that Christianity is a joke. He's not real. I say, that's your right to tweet that if you want to. We're not trying to shut you down. We believe that our ideas in Christianity are better than your ideas. And we believe that the truth will set you free because the word of God is living and active. So you can say what you want to say. We're not trying to get you arrested. But the other side is trying to get us arrested. It will be bad for everybody. So I would just try to convince the Christians out there that think that maybe we're, we're trying to be mean to other people. I would say this. Maybe you should take a page from atheists like Bill Maher or somebody like Joe Rogan that is not a Christian that is going, my gosh, we have to do something about this. This is horrible for children. This is a this is child abuse. It is wicked. These aren't even people who who even know the Lord. So I would say to the Christians that, that feel that we're being a little too mean, I'd say maybe take a page from some of the liberal atheists who feel like it's time to speak up. I think it should be the church leading the charge. You can catch our full conversation with Skillet's John Cooper on this week's episode of Faith Versus Culture, which you can catch on the CBN News Channel on Monday night and also online this weekend on Faithwire's Facebook page. 
All right. Uh, always good to have John Cooper on the show, on the network. I mean, he's 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 been speaking out and he always has something he always has something good to say it seems. He's he's certainly bold, which is kind of where we want to go here with our one last thing today. And that's from 1 Corinthians 16:13, which says be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And I think, guys, as we're reading through the stories today and looking at the news of the day, as Christians, we are going to need to really lean into verses like that. And I love to be watchful because there's so much mistruth and so many lies around mm-hmm. us, right, that we have to stand up and, and stand up in truth and love. But we've got to be watchful and discern what's actually happening. I love that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I know I, I, it reminds me, too, the passage that says when we, we were a child, we thought like a child and acted yeah. like a child. But then as, a, as adults, as, as men and women, we put away those childish things and we stand up for what's right. You know, regardless of the consequences or it might hurt, it might not be fun, it might not be easy. But we're committed to something you know much bigger than our comfort in the moment. Uh, I think the story about these pro-life activists, it's important that whatever you're convicted about, if it's aligning with God's word, stand up for it. Yeah. And then do it in love because you want to be when the weight of the world comes down on you, you want to be above reproach. So stay in line as much as you possibly can, because when the eyes of the world eventually turn on you or your community or whatever, because of some incident or something where you were standing up, that ultimately they'll look at you and not really be able to find uh, anything wrong with with what you're doing. So I guess it's a good place to leave it on this Friday, heading into the weekend. And uh, Lord willing, in that creek don't rise, we will be back here on Monday with more news from a Christian perspective. I hope you have an absolutely fantastic weekend. I know in our neck of the woods, the sun came out. It still does exist after a long period of rain. So that was great to see. But all right, guys, have a great weekend. See you back here on Monday.